Last week we finished out Second Peter chapter 1. We closed out talking with Peter, talking about him leaving and wanting to establish the gospel and the church in the gospel of Christ and him crucified. Absolutely nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. Our salvation is in the Lord and the covenant of grace. Peter's established that. He closed out that chapter by speaking of, I guess you'd call it an apologetics, they call it. I call it a clarification of facts myself, but establishing the fact of Christ's transfiguration when He was transfigured before them. He was whiter than any fuller soap. He was clearer and cleaner than anything that had ever been on the face of the earth, I do believe, as the glory of God was manifested in Him whom we preach. And they were there and saw Him. And they heard the voice from heaven declaring, declaring, this is my beloved Son. And we spent a little time talking about that and Him being the Son of God. This is what we preach. Peter is telling them, I'm giving you these things that you will know. It is evidence that Christ is the Son of God. It is evidence if you know Him, He knew you first. If you loved Him, He loved you first. And as it began in the first chapter of the first verse, therefore you're elect according to the foreknowledge of God through sanctification of spirit. God has worked His work in Christ upon you, among you. And he talked about in verse 19 having a more sure word of prophecy. A word which is true, as he says in Revelation, I believe chapter 3, the Amen, that is Christ, the declaration of the testimony of God. First John says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. That is manifested to us through the living Word of God, which was made flesh. And we talked about this last week. They beheld His glory. They laid hold on Him. They touched Him. They saw Him raise the dead, heal the sick. This is what we preach. This is what we teach. This is what saved past tense us and saves us daily and will carry us to heaven in a moral glory, not the preaching, but the man himself, Jesus Christ. And he tells them to carry on in that, and he admonishes them in the last verse of chapter 1, for this prophecy of Christ came not in old time by the will of man, that's everything, for the law and the prophets were until John. John came preaching, paving the way for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, and His life and His ministry and His work in this world, which He did and He alone did. We had nothing to do with it. We had no part of it. He saved us from our sins. Late last night, I, I get on YouTube sometimes and I listen to ministers in little short bits and pieces and I heard one of Billy Graham back in the 60s or 70s and he and I'm not faulting the man, but listen, listen to the error. He said, God on the cross wants you to come to Him. 
God wants to save you. I beg to differ, brethren. That is not what God says. For He shall save His people from their sins. didn't say He wanted to. God does not want for anything. God is a God of purpose, and Christ saved His people from their sins, which is evident in John 19 and 30. It is finished. What's finished? All the law and the prophets, which were until John. And this prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Chapter 2, but there were false prophets also among the people. We can turn back. This is primarily dealing with the nation of Israel. It is the nation of Israel that's being spoken of in that time. And we can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Satan beguiled Eve changing, adding one word, thou shalt not surely die. Anything that changes the Scripture is not a version, it is a perversion. We see also the desire, first of all in Satan's heart, as he rebelled against God and against Christ, and planting the idea in Adam's mind and heart to be like God Himself. That is the same doctrine that Satan has taught since that time. Ye shall be as gods. We are creatures. We are created. God is the Creator. He's so far above us. He's as far above us as the heavens are above the earth. I was reading this morning where that great telescope they've made and they found things they've never seen before in the atmosphere of space, in the heaven which is called space, galaxies they did not know existed, and guess what? They found three more because it does not appear to end to us. Beyond that, Beyond everything created is God. And I say that to establish the point that He is that much higher than us as the heavens are above the earth. The telescope's not going to find the end of it because the end of it there is God. That will be revealed. He will be revealed at the last day. But He talks about the false prophets. We saw that beginning in the garden. The lies, the deception, the pride of life. We can go to Deuteronomy and we can find those that God spoke of. He told them, beware of false prophets. And we can also go to Matthew 7 and find the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, beware of false prophets. We can go back into Scripture. We can see those who were supposedly either leaders of Israel in a governmental sense under Moses originally. And when Joshua at Moses' death took over this, this line of 
leaders, I'll say it that way, continued according to the nature of the flesh, according to the tribe of Levi, basically. And we see the Levitical priesthood and all that was entailed in that, and we saw false prophets among them. They would lead God's people to worship the gods of the land that God had conquered and gave unto them. He took it from one people. And by the way, if you want to think about things sometime when you're sitting alone, in the dark, most of those He took it from were the descendants of Canaan, the son of Ham, who knew his mother and was cursed. Now you think about that sometime. But my point being, they led them astray after the pagan gods of the world. Malek, Baal, whoever. Dagon, whoever. They led them astray. They offered their children in the fire. We see the sons of Korah that offered strange fire. True doctrine teaches us how to worship. In the law, God gave explicit directions. They offered strange fire. If you don't think this is serious, I beg you, go back and read. Those people of Israel who offered strange fire, the ground opened up and consumed them. That is how serious worship is to God. He dictates. He's told Moses, make these things. I'm paraphrasing this. The way they showed to thee in the mount, that's the way they were to be. And the nature of man wants to change things. He wants to make things for his benefit. He wants to make things for his pocket or whatever. For his fame, for his glory. They led God's people astray. At the time the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born in the world, It's said in Matthew that the Pharisees would not or could not or both enter into the kingdom of God and they forbade others to. Binding burdens upon them that were grievous to be born, in other words, teaching them that they had to fulfill and obey the law in order to come into the kingdom of God, if one person in the history of the world could have fulfilled the law, then Christ would not have died. It would be in vain. But there were none that sought after God. There were none righteous. There are none that can satisfy the law. But there were false prophets who taught them these things. This all brings us up to the point of Christ. This all brings us up to the finished work of Christ. This all brings us up to the doctrine which is delivered to us by the Holy Spirit through Christ, about Christ, of Christ, and for Christ, the living Word of God, the Son of God, and all glory being given unto Him. We hear so many doctrines. The Lord wants to do this. The Lord wants to do that. God forbid. 
God works His way in heaven. So many of God's children do not realize the providence of God in their life and how He carries them and protects them and brings them through everything they face in this world until the time they leave this world because they're carried away in strange doctrine. And it's not given through what they know and hear. When I was a child, we said a prayer before school. We said the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, how that's changed. We might have been a Southern Baptist or a Primitive Baptist. We might have been a Methodist or whatever congregation. But there in school, we said a prayer to the God of heaven in the name of Christ. Period. That's the way that was. Things have changed. All that leading up to Christ and now the church in which Christ is established. And Satan still, as he did when he rebelled against God, we'll get into that in just a moment, desiring to be the very Son of God Himself, a created being. Okay. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you today in the church who privileged shall bring in damnable heresies. Every time I read this, I think about a man that I knew in a church in this state. Both of these men I'm going to talk about are deceased. One was a very faithful brother. They taught, preached to serve this church together. The one that was a faithful brother served several churches as was the custom among our people for a long time. And he would go here and there preaching and teaching to people serving different churches. And the whole time he was gone, the other brother, and yes, he was a brother, was going from table to table spreading false doctrine, damnable heresies, denying the very glory of the Creator by teaching people at the kitchen table that there was no hell, denying the glory of God, the wrath of God, the judgment of God, if there is no hell, then God is not just because sin must be punished. You, child of God, because you love God, it is evidence that you stand in the election of grace, that God loved you from before the foundation of the world, and in the time appointed of God, in the providence of God, that God gave you life and quickened you and brought you from that life of sin. My eyes are acting funny. You bear with me. Privily, privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. Well, I haven't heard anybody deny the Lord. Have you not? We started out with that. Do you not deny the power of God when you tell His people that they have to save themselves? Do you not deny the power of God and the Lord who bought them with His blood? When you deny the sonship 
of Christ, when you deny the power of His blood, which He shed, it's not of any work that we can do. It is all in the blood of the Lamb of God. Even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. I've seen men who went amongst the true church of the church that holds the identity of the true church that tried to preach heresies. And in the time appointed of God, they will fall. And in the time when this world ends, everyone who has stood against the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can find that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, everyone who stood against the gospel of Jesus Christ shall stand in judgment of God. You can find that. How important worship is. How important doctrine is. Peter's telling these people about two doctrines. We're talking to you about the Son of God. We're talking to you about He who we saw transfigured upon the Mount of Tabor. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Gradual, gradual changing. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. And I'll use something we can understand in government. In my lifetime, our government has slowly transformed us perniciously, gradually, 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 taking our freedom just a bit, just a bit, just a bit. Doesn't matter who's up there, that's what they're doing. Okay? Gradually taking it. Because when they take it gradually, you wake up one day not noticing it was leaving, and all of a sudden it's gone. Now these people being spoken of false prophets who gradually change the Word of God, who add a word here or take a word away there. Why are there so many different versions of Scripture? You get into the new one they've got, the new King James International, and you read that, it denies the deity and the sonship of God in many places. They've gradually brought it to that point that Christ is no longer the center focus. That's what most of them do anyway. When everything is all about Christ. Peter is preparing these people for what is going to come, what they face in that day, and what we face today. Many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. It's not fair. God wouldn't send them to hell. How could God hate anybody? I got a better question, better than brethren. Study the scripture. Read Jacob, have I loved, yet Esau have I hated. Go look at Jacob's character in scripture. The word itself means deceiver, supplanter, and then tell me why God would love anybody. We should have all been destroyed according to the justice of God, were it not for the election of grace and that for the glory of the Son of God. The way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Oh, God doesn't care if you go out there and live like that. You're going to live it up and do what you want to. God's not going to punish you. I beg to differ. And I speak from experience with a chastened backside. Every sin has a recompense. 
And through covetousness shall they with feigned words, the false apostles, soft, pretty words, make merchandise of you. Make merchandise of you. They buy you. They purchase you. Purchase you. They lead you astray. They teach you lies. This is the purpose. A wolf. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. All that ever came before me, they're thieves, they're wolves. The thief cometh but for to kill and to destroy. Let that sink in. We're not going to hold hands and sing kumbaya with the world or with false prophets. We are to strive for the faith which is once delivered unto the saints. For through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. They prepare you, they teach you, they lead you astray, and then they sell you in essence of what is taught to the devil who walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Establish the fact. Establish the fact before moving forward. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? For it is God that justifieth. Okay? There will not be one person in the hand of God. There will not be one person the Father gave to the Son. There will not be one person the Son died for. There will not be one person that God loves. There will not be one person that loves God that will not stand in heaven in immortal glory. Make that fact. But there is a punishment for sins. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. They pay for their faults in this world in their ministries which crumble and fall. You see them on TV begging for millions of dollars saying, I am a God. I've seen this by people on TV. I do not even know who they are, but I have seen it and I fear lightning striking when I do. Declaring themselves to be God, to be as God, all desiring the dollar bill that they ask you to send every time they speak. Let me get off that. His judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. The day will come when Christ appears, and it will be the day of the judgment. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. A child of God will stand in Christ. Therefore, we have been removed. We have been saved. We have uh, been ransomed. There's the word. From the wrath of God by the blood of the Lamb. Alright, let's get into some doctrine now. If I can read. For if 
God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Okay. In before, or at the same time, it may have even, in my mind, it may have even been the same act when Satan rebelled against God. Well, who was Satan? Ezekiel 28, about verse 10, 11, 12, you'll find, Pen, thou art the cherub. Thou wast in the Garden of Eden. He was anointed of God. The beautiful stones were His covering. He was perfect from the day in which He was created until iniquity was found in Him. This was Satan. This was the cherub of God that God created. You understand that? He's not eternal. God created him as a cherub. A cherub guards the treasure of God. When God drove Adam from the garden and from his presence, he placed at the east of the garden cherubs with flaming swords to keep the way to the tree of life, lest man should take hold of the tree of life and eat and live forever in this sin-cursed condition that we are in. Cherub, a treasure, guards God's treasure. Rather, That's what Satan was. We find in Isaiah, I believe, 14, where he said, I will, and he calls him by name there, Lucifer. That means bright and shining. How does he tempt you? Let me tell you, first of all, Satan is the most beautiful creature that God ever created, the most wise, the most powerful. Yet he is a creature and is nothing before God. He's called Lucifer. He's bright. He's shining. He lures you away. He desired to be the Son of God Himself. I will ascend unto the mountain of the high. I will be like the Most High. And what does God say? What does the Scripture say? Thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. He desired in vanity and the beauty of His creation... To be the Son of God Himself. He cannot be. He knew He cannot be. Just like man, He was made good and upright. Yet being made in the image of God and being a creature and not the Creator, it is impossible for any being other than God to stand in its own in perfection and righteousness. Only God can do that. And he rebelled in vanity and fell for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason who has subjected the same in hope. And that's speaking about man. That's not talking about Satan because Satan rebelled against God and he has no hope. You know, I read the other day, 10% of the Christians in this country believe that Satan could accept the Lord and become a child of God. That is the most ridiculous gibberish I have ever heard. He will stand in the lake of fire with these angels that rebelled with Him 
for the realm of eternity because God's justice demands it. And I'll say this before moving on also. The angels that did not sin, the angels that did not, as Jude said, leave their first habitation, their first estate in service to God, they were kept. They're called the elect angels, just like you're called the elect of God. They were kept of God, or they would have fallen. Okay? All creation is fallen. Only God has kept it. Christ didn't die for angels. Christ kept them from that temptation. Christ died for His people to save them from their sins. For God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Revelation 20 says, An angel came down from heaven, a great angel, that was the Lord Jesus Christ, with a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on that old serpent, the devil. And bound him a thousand years that he should deceive the nations no more. I tell you that truth to show you the example of how God has bound Satan that he would deceive God's elect among the Gentiles no more. We who were without God in the world have been brought now unto God. Now with that said, these angels are kept in the darkness of hell. No knowledge of God. No light at all. I have read testimony of men of the day uh, I believe in Josephus' writings, if memory serves me correctly, of men who were there when the Son of God was crucified. When God forsook His Son, when His body became sin for us, and darkness covered the face of the earth when the glory of God in the crucifixion was upon the earth. And men said they could not see their hand in front of their face in that darkness. That's how these angels who sin against God are kept by the power of God. And what is that? Christ Jesus. Darkness, total, no light at all. Chains of darkness, bondage of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. When is that? Depart from me, ye cursed, into the everlasting lake of fire prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Those that are currently bound 
in the darkness of hell. You see what he's saying? We saw Him transfigured in the glory of God. We heard the Father in heaven say, you want to see three different in the Godhead? Here's two of them. While Christ is in the world and the Father's in heaven, this is my beloved Son. They're going to be false prophets. There's going to be liars. There's going to be and always will be as long as the world those who prey upon you, who hate you, nose bleeding, who seek to destroy you, who seek to kill you. But do you see how God and His providence is with His people? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He is always here with us even when we turn aside to go the other way. God is with us because He says and He cannot lie, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He turns us back to Him when we when He deems that we've suffered enough. That's my greatest fear in my life. Lord, I don't want to fail Thee. I don't want to fail Thy people. Please do not give me over to my own devices. Keep me in Christ, I pray. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, God keeps you. Period. It doesn't matter in this world. And spared not the old world. What world is that? The world before the flood? Let's look at that. Let's think about that. God's people, descendants of Abel, we're up high upon the mountain. That's where they live. That's where they dwell. Sons of Cain were down in the low ground. The world had become so wicked. Only evil continually. Violence filled the earth. Women molested as if there was nothing wrong with that. Is that not just about the case today? Lord, come help us. Take us home. It repented the Lord. He made man on the earth. God would have been holy and totally just had He destroyed everything He had created at that time. The glory of God would shine through eternity. But the purpose of God in the election of grace is that the children of God that the Father chose, the Son died for, and raised up will stand in heaven and immortal glory and worship and praise this God forever and ever and ever in eternity that never ends. God made a way. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah spared not 
and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. The preacher of righteousness. There were eight people upon that ark. God instructed how it is to be built. You want to know the importance of true doctrine? Put that along with what God told Moses. The way I show you, you make it. I believe if Noah had made that and changed that ark in any way, it very well may have sunk to the bottom. But he made it just exactly in the instructions that God commanded him to make. It took 120 years to build it. And God suffered it. And God kept Noah and his family from this evil world, which is only evil continually the entire time. Do you see this example? That God cares for us. That God loves us. That God keeps us. This is the doctrine taught in the Bible. It's all in Christ. God forbid that we should change it or add to it. God kept Noah and his family bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. You'll find there where when Noah, God said in seven days it's going to rain. So they brought everything onto the ark that God instructed for His purpose to bring upon the ark. Some to sacrifice to God, some to replenish the earth. And when they got up in the ark, <laughs> I love this, God shut them in. You catch that? God shut them in the ark. Nothing could touch them. Nothing could hurt them. They were saved from the wrath to come. Does that make us think of Isaiah 57, the righteous perishes? No man let the heart, merciful men are taken away. None considering that he's taken away from the wrath to come. We die and leave this world, and God is taking us away from the wrath to come. And also, bear this in mind God shut them in. Those outside couldn't come in. I've heard preachers all my life on some of these be nice, challenging around leaves. Talk about Noah was begging them to get on the ark. The Lord was a begging them to get on. No, He didn't. It was not given to them to come on the ark. That was for Noah and his family, those eight souls of the promised seed, the elect of God, of which God would repopulate the entirety of the world. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. Let me give you this while I'm here. I like to throw this in there, and I do it just about every time I talk about it. Just to see the wisdom of God, the way He lays things out. In six days, God created the heaven and the earth. In day seven, God rested, not because He was tired, but because His work was finished. Creation was finished. It was set in order. Men and women having children, animals having offspring, everything was set in order. The trees and plants replenishing themselves through nature. Everything was 
finished. Sin enters the world. And in that number eight, after God destroyed the world, we see a new beginning. Saturday, the Jews worshipped on Saturday. That was the Sabbath. When God fed them manna, they could not go out and gather it on the Sabbath. It was a day of rest because God rested. It's a day of rest to us. Christ came forth from the grave on the first day of the week. You see the eighth day? Saturday is seven. Look on the calendar. Sunday, the day of the resurrection, the Lord's day. Number eight, eight souls of the promised seed. And He would bring in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Give me ten minutes. And in God's destruction of the ungodly, there was a saving of Noah and his family. Oh, they were perfect, weren't they? Yeah, the first thing his son did was lay with his mother. From whence came the curse upon the Canaanites. None of us are without sin. We are all sinners. And I'm going to say this before leaving that fact. That's not a curse to hell. That was a curse in this earth because of their sin. Okay? And they paid for their sin and may even do so today. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them that an example unto those that after shall live ungodly. You know, I like to rebut silly things. <clears throat> I've heard people say my whole life that all them people that died in the flood went to hell. That's not what the Bible says. I've gone to great pains to teach God's people that Isaiah teaches us that Christ went into the prison house of sin and saved them before they died and left this world. Now regarding Sodom, do you remember the verse of Scripture where the Lord is talking to the self-righteous Jews and told them, if the things that I preached unto you and where you have rejected were preached to those in Sodom, those in Sodom would have repented. Let that sink in. God has people from every people and every place. I look around this world today and the shape this nation is in, the shape this world is in, and I think, Lord, how can You bear to look at us? Are there ten righteous? Are there five righteous? I know the reason we're still here is because of the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus, and I know that we will be here until the last promised heir of God is born of the Spirit of God. Let's go to Genesis 19. And before I close, let me give you some very pretty things to think about. It starts off, There came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them and bowed himself with his face toward the ground. First of all, let me make 
point that angels don't have wings. These are men, okay? And He begged them to come into His house. And they said, No, we'll abide in the street all night. And He pressed upon them greatly. And they turned in unto Him and entered into His house. And He made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even men of Sodom, come past the house round, both old and young, all the people every quarter. Now you watch what God does for His people. They cried out, let us have this man that we may know him. And Lot told them, I've got two daughters which have not known man. Do you realize that even living in this wicked, vile city, can you think about this nation? Do you realize that even all that was around them, that Lot's daughters were still saved and untouched? Do you realize that God had kept them? Do you realize that they had been protected because there was a hedge around them and Christ Jesus the Lord God protects His people. God keeps His people in all we face and all that we go through. I learned this a long time ago. I've been shot at so many times and ain't a bullet touched me yet. God keeps His people and I hope Sometimes I actually believe that I may be one. They said, stand back. The men, the angels, were going out to them. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness. We've had time. we talk on that a minute or two. Blindness, those that can't see. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither nor can he. For spiritually discerned, they don't see what we see. When Gideon had all those angels and chariots, very few saw them. They smote the men there at the door of blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. There's you some darkness again. They couldn't find the door. They were blinded of God. They were in darkness. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou any here besides thy sons? This is the angels. Besides thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. God sent them to deliver them out. First thing they did was get their daddy drunk and sleep with him to bring seed to him. Don't think it's because of our goodness. It's because God loves you. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great for the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his son-in-law which married his daughters and said, Get you up out of this place. The Lord will destroy this city. But he, Lot, seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Watch, watch this. Realize 
the power of God. Realize the God that we preach. Realize that salvation is of the Lord. It's not dependent on I or you or anything other than the very Son of God who died to save us from our sins. And when the morning arose, the angel hastened and told Lot to take thy wife, thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And when he lingered, he lingered. He may have not have wanted to leave his son-in-laws. He may have not have wanted to leave the convenience of the things of that city and all that was available at hand, the food, the water, and the comfort, and the ease. And while he lingered, this is God working. And while he lingered, the men, the angels, laid hold on his hand and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Child of God, we preach a God that even though we live in rebellion from time to time, even though we fall from time to time, even though we turn aside and seek to leave Him and walk into the things of the world, that He will never leave us or forsake us. He's merciful to us. He takes us by the hand. He leads us and guides us. The God that we preach, the Son of God that we preach, Jesus Christ, the everlasting Word of God, is always with us and will never leave us nor forsake us And this is the Gospel which we teach because it is true Gospel. Next week we'll talk about Lot living amongst that and how it vexed his soul. And as we do, we need to stop and think about how we suffer with a vexed soul in this day and age and how God will deliver us.